0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, June 10th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telluride moves forward with new vending locations. Smart continues expansion of senior and disabled transit services. Mountain Village brings the icy hot and a mountain weather forecast. Come midsummer, Telluride will likely have two new eateries. At a retreat on Thursday, Telluride Town Council discussed adding two new vending locations for food carts. The first sits on the sidewalk just outside of South Spruce Park. We found
1: that this would be a very um, feasible location to add a vending permit. We looked at different locations within the park itself and thought that um,
0: this is the best location. That's Tiffany Cavanaugh, Telluride Town Clerk, speaking before Town Council. It would um allow
1: the vendor to kind of stand between the brick wall and then set up with plenty of sidewalk space left um, for the public right of way. Um, This would also keep the vendor off of the grass and less impact to the turf at the park and then better gives the vendor better visibility from Colorado Avenue.
0: In addition, Parks and Recreation Director Stephanie Jacquet says placing the vendor on the sidewalk will likely keep it from being impacted by renovations to the park as part of the Town Park Master
2: Plan. The proposed location would not be impacted by the current conceptual plan for that park. That being said, designs always get revisited, but um, the way I see the park boundary is the brick wall, and south of that area, not the sidewalk.
0: Kavanaugh adds adding a food vending cart rather than a farm stand will likely be more amenable to farm stand vendors at North Spruce Park. Here is an exchange between Kavanaugh and Mayor Delaney Young. When um, this location was discussed last year or the year before, specifically for farm vendors,
1: not a food cart, but to kind of continue the North Spruce Park, the North Spruce Park vendors were, none of them were in favor of that so to add another actual farm vendor um so i do think that the vendors across the street at spruce park may be more welcoming to a food cart
2: (laughs) i've talked with two of the farm vendors to actually bet that out and yeah you are exactly correct
0: The second vending location would sit on the corner of Pacific and First Streets, just outside the AHA School for the Arts.
1: This is a very large sidewalk. This area where we kind of thought would be the best to set up somewhere within this 8 foot by 24 um, feet long area would work really well for a food vendor with plenty of
0: space for them to set up. Town Council unanimously supported adding the two additional vending locations. It does need to approve an ordinance for the locations to become official. Town Council will vote on the ordinance on first reading at its meeting next week. If it passes on first reading, Council plans to have a second reading at a special meeting on Tuesday, June 28th. There will be an application period. Kavanaugh predicts vendors could be in place by mid-July. the San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation is continuing to work on a senior and disabled transit service roadmap to identify gaps in service and figure out how to support existing services for those populations.
2: One of the things that keeps coming to the forefront is that there's a big unmet need. However, the people that need it aren't getting the information they need.
0: That's Carrie Stefano, operations manager and senior planner for SMART, updating the Transit Body Board of Directors at its meeting this week. When it comes to seniors, she says, a challenge is they're not sure how those people are getting their information.
2: A lot of them have limited, especially in the West End. Um, Internet's limited. Um, there's just some people that aren't as used to finding information online as is I think some of the rest of us are.
0: Stefano says they plan to attend senior luncheons with a survey to continue gathering data to figure out the best way to move
2: forward. And that would be again improving or expanding current services. Do we need to be marketing? Do we need to be developing existing partnership?
0: So far De Stefano notes, they've heard many people aren't aware of transit options for services like medical care, such as transit provider all points. She also says elderly people are hesitant to use public transit.
2: Like um, Bill Towles from All Points talked about, they're afraid, you know, just the act of getting onto a bus, you know, like there's that steep step. And I think there's some anxiety that goes along with that. Smart Board member Adrian Christie wants to make sure not
0: just that people are aware of the bus times, but also they're OK with them. I think some of the other issues is that you get on the bus at, I don't know, 8.30 in the morning and you go to Montrose and then you have to be in Montrose for an extended period of time before you get home. And I think that also contributes to some of the anxiety, like being in this whole other community that's hours from your home. DeStefano says she'll make sure those questions make it onto the survey. On the ridership front, De Stefano explains the new Norwood route that comes to Telluride at 11 a.m. and returns at 11.30 p.m., got off to a slow start, but recently she says those numbers
2: have ticked up to seven people on the bus. So obviously that's picking up and that's really good news, the fact that people are starting to use it. The
0: rest of the Norwood route, she says, continues to be strong with usership above the national average but Stefano says she's concerned about the RICO route, which has lower usage than the like. According to data from the American Community Survey, she says only 4% of RICO residents are using public transit, but about 55% are commuting. Smart Board Vice Chair Joe Dillsworth represents RICO and notes some people have approached him about fares.
3: One thing that was brought up to me was that like, if you look, you know, if you do like a Google map and do like RICO to Telluride, and Norwood to Telluride. Right? Rico's actually about five miles closer. Yeah, um, and Rico is $3, is. and Norwood's $2. And I know, again, we're splitting hairs, but that is something that people have approached me about.
0: DiStefano says the transit body is considering having a conversation with the board about fares down the road. Thinking and discussing wildfire can be a tough topic. But Mountain Village is looking to sweeten it up with a bit of ice cream and a fire and ice community wildfire education ice cream social. We do live in a beautiful forested area. We
3: do have the looming risk of wildfire and um, recent wildfires in both Lake Tahoe and Boulder and California and New Mexico and everywhere else have really brought the concern of wildfire to the forefront of our leaders and Um, our community members, and I thought this event could be a good opportunity for people to learn some important information about protecting their homes, being prepared to leave their homes in an emergency, in an evacuation, very quickly, and just an opportunity to also have a little bit of fun while they're um, going
0: over some rather (laughs) somber topics. That's Catherine Warren, Public Information Officer for Mountain Village. The event will feature a number of regional wildfire agencies, including the Norwood Ranger District of the Grand Mesa and Compagre and Gunnison National Forests.
3: They will have um, information about recreating safely. There will be the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office. Our emergency manager will be talking about, um, you know, being prepared for evacuation and, and other preparedness topics. The Telluride Fire Protection District will have a booth talking about home hardening as in how to protect your home from wildfire, and that includes creating
0: defensible space and making sure you have the right roofing material. Finally, the Mountain Village Police Department will also be in attendance. Warren says the goal is to keep people thinking and talking about the realities of wildfire before one shows up on our doorstep. An emergency happens at the drop of a hat,
3: and you know we'd like to have these conversations about preparedness and evacuation now when folks are not stressed out and really allow people the opportunity to you know, come up with a household plan, what would you do if you have five minutes to leave your house?
0: While the event will provide important information, Warren adds it's still a family affair.
3: Smokey Bear will be making an appearance and also um, the pending availability from staff the fire protection district will have a fire truck present along with an ambulance and potentially one of their wildland fire trucks
0: and then a a police car will be on site so we thought that might be kind of fun for the kiddos. The Fire and Ice Community Wildfire Education Ice Cream Social will take place on Sunday June 12th from 4 to 7 p.m. in Heritage Plaza in Mountain Village. Mountain Village's Market on the Plaza is back. The market this year will feature farm produce, fruits and vegetables, goat milk and cheeses, jams and marmalades, garden herbs, and more. According to Mountain Village, it's also the perfect lunch venue with a wide range of food vendors. Of course, there will also be a diverse assortment of local and regional arts and crafts, from leathers and jewelry to quilts and textiles, lotions and balms to soaps and kitchen goods. Telluride Theater will also make an appearance with a Books Alive performance in collaboration with the Wilkinson Public Library, Books Alive will be at the first Market on the Plaza and every market in August. Market on the Plaza will kick off on Wednesday, June 15th and run through Wednesday, September 14th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. It may be bluegrass season, but notes of jazz are in the air. This week, the Telluride Jazz Festival announced its late-night show lineup for the 2022 festival. Thursday, August 11th, we'll see Corey Wong at the Sheridan Opera House. Ghost Funk Orchestra will play the Opera House on Friday, August 12th. Joe Smith and the Spicy Pickles will play the Moon at O'Bannon's that same night. Friday, we'll also see the Benny Bennick III Quartet at the Telluride Elks Lodge. On Saturday, August 13th, Grupo Fantasma will play the Opera House. Kelly Finnegan and the Atonements will be at the Moon at O'Bannon's. And Joel Ross will play the Elks Lodge. Finally, on Sunday, August 14th, the Motets will play a packed night at the Sheridan Opera House with special guests Jennifer Hartswick, Shira Eilis, and Jason Han. Tickets for late-night shows are available at TellurideJazz.org. Hunting season at Lone Mesa State Park will be here before you know it, and applications for a hunting permit are currently open through Colorado Parks and Wildlife. The state park, just under 12,000 acres and about 20 miles north of Dolores, is open to the public through a special use permit that allows limited hunting during big game season. Hunting is available for elk, deer, and bear. Applications are available online and open until July 7th at 5 p.m. CPW will hold a drawing at 5 p.m. on July 8th. Successful applicants will be notified. Lawmakers in Washington, D.C. discussed the western water crisis on Tuesday. KUNC's Alex Hager reports a Senate subcommittee heard about the wide-ranging impacts of drought.
4: Experts on forests and farmland testified about the impacts of climate change across the West, calling on senators to allocate federal money for programs that help suppress wildfire and protect agriculture. Andy Mueller is with the Colorado River District. The plentiful
3: water resources of the past are no longer physically or legally available for many of our ag producers. Families who have been involved in ranching for multiple generations are being forced to sell their cattle and confront tremendously uncertain futures.
4: Mueller said federal help is needed to boost drought resiliency and make agriculture more efficient. About 80 percent of the Colorado River's water is used for agriculture and drought is straining supplies. I'm Alex Hager.
0: A partnership between governmental agencies and university researchers has modern-day trappers searching the state for beavers. But they aren't after pelts. Instead, they're using the large rodent to lessen the effects of drought. KZMU's Justin Higginbottom has more.
4: I'm at the chalky slopes of the book cliffs in the desert of southeastern Utah. A short, dusty drive from the highway, and there's a leafy oasis along the shallow Price River. I'm with Christine Sandback, She's a graduate student at Utah State University, and she has a beaver in a cage that she's trying to get a read on.
5: Whenever we interact with them, we record their behavior. So she kind of turned away. So that would be fearful. So I'm just going to write that down.
4: Sandback helps to trap and relocate beavers in Utah, and she's gotten to know quite a few.
5: Yeah, it's interesting. They, They really do have different behaviors. Our last one that we did, he was super aggressive, like the whole time. He was a big male. He's kind of scary, he would hiss and lunge at us.
4: But this beaver is calm with her back turned to us. Sandback named her Ice Baby after finding her in the cold waters of a high elevation canyon.
5: We're just trapping for a landowner. She has a really amazing beaver complex on her property, but it's just gotten out of hand for her.
4: Although Ice Baby finds herself some 60 miles south of her home waters, she's actually lucky.
5: Before this project, usually the solution would be lethal removal, the state would come in and remove beavers for them.
4: Instead of being killed, the hope is that Ice Baby will go to work for the state. Prolonged drought is drying up sections of this river and threatening fish, including three endangered species. Sandback is working in a partnership with the university and various state and federal agencies, using beavers to help ecosystems like this one.
1: Oh, beavers are great for the environment.
4: That's Julie Young. She's a professor at USU working on this project. Beavers build dams to create ponds they can dip into and avoid predators. On that stretch of the Price River, there's a number of human-made beaver dam analogs, or BDAs, to help Ice Baby get started.
1: The idea is that maybe if we have beavers out there and and they have BDAs they can build off of, that they will dam up some water and let it trickle year-round.
4: And that will help the fish. Young says researchers around the country are studying beaver benefits. For example, in Colorado, their wetlands have acted as breaks for wildfires.
1: And so everything kind of benefits or has the potential to benefit when there's beavers around creating more marsh habitats than otherwise might be in some of these environments.
4: This project is a bit of a test case. After all, it's not an area you might think to find the animal.
1: What's unique about this is the desert river system, and that's more rare or less common.
4: Young says that there's some really nice beaver dam complexes on the nearby San Rafael River.
1: And that's what the Price River could look like if beavers are in sufficient number and decide to dam it up.
4: There was once up to 200 million beavers in North America, But the fur trade of previous centuries decimated that population. Luckily for beavers, the price of their pelts have plummeted. The top hats made from their fur are out of fashion for most. There's now only 10 to 15 million beavers on the continent. As the west's population has expanded, beavers are once again in conflict with humans, this time with landowners. That's where Nate Norman comes in. He's another modern-day trapper. In a lot of ways, it's similar to the old-time trappers. We're looking for the signs of where the beavers are moving and and, and where they're active, and then luring them into areas with either food or scent. Although a big difference with past mountain men is he's using non-lethal methods. Norman's a biologist with a beaver ecology and relocation center at USU. He says the state passes on reports of nuisance beavers and then he'll reach out to property owners and see if they prefer relocation to extermination he also educates them on the usefulness of beavers and we've had some successes where people have been okay to leave the beaver on their site and, and, and not actually have them removed he says in the last five years he's seen a change of heart toward beavers During drought, ranchers have especially come around to the benefits of beavers building stock ponds to provide water for cattle. They realize that when they go out and build a stock pond and it blows out in the springtime, they've got to go back up there and fix it. But if a beaver builds a pond and it blows out in the springtime, the beaver go fix it. They also help grow riparian vegetation used for animal feed, also important in a drought at the Price River, Ice Baby is acting a little less fearful. She's in view of the water and gnawing at her cage. Sandback points out an artificial dam.
5: So that is a BDA right there. Um, so it was built last year. They used to have a ton of juniper and stuff in them. They were way bigger, but they've gotten blown out with floods and stuff.
4: Workers built 70 BDAs last year in the state. If Ice Baby likes this spot, then Sandback's job is done.
5: So that's sort of the goal here, is to have this feedback of you build the BDAs, then translocate beavers, BDAs make habitat better for the beavers, and then in turn the beavers maintain the BDAs, so there's no extra resources going into that.
4: Sandback opens the cage and Ice Baby waddles down the dirt path to the water. She slips into the shallow river and gracefully swims away, not even a look back in gratitude. Sandback hopes she sticks around, though, and makes a home of it. Justin Higginbottom for Rocky Mountain Community Radio.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low in the mid-50s. Saturday, there's a 20% chance of showers with mostly sunny skies and high near 80 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Saturday night, expect partly cloudy skies with a low around 55 degrees. Sunday calls for sunny skies during the day and mostly clear skies at night. The high is near 80 degrees with a low around 50. This has been the news for Friday, June 10th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.